You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. But I want you to hear this word from the Lord as we hear from James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12, as you stand with me, as we stand upon the solid rock of God's word. It says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. And here's the key phrase, establish your hearts for... Notice what it says, the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you will take these words of Scripture and help us to fortify our spirits, strengthen our hearts. God, we need you to come and be with us today. We want to see your church grow strong. We want to be a church that helps other churches grow strong. We want to reach the lost, Lord. We want to see you move. So begin that work here in our midst today. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Yeah, I always know I'm going to be in trouble when the passage of Scripture says, Be patient. It's hard to be patient in this world. When when you look at the world in the state that it's in, it is easy to be agitated, isn't it? It's so easy to get worked up, and, and I don't know about you, but when I'm agitated and, and worked up, I'm rarely like really feeling the Spirit. Usually, I'm just kind of upset and angry, and today, when I see so many people, they, they're sort of venting on, on social media, kind of letting it out. I'm thinking, man, it's okay, I guess, to let it out, but something tells me that a lot of us are just kind of getting a little bit too down, a little bit too dreary, a little bit too... Um, focused on what's going on around us. Listen, God is at work. We need to, in moments like this of worship, focus our, our eyes heavenward and realize that God is still on his throne and he wants to do great work. But before that's going to happen, we're going to have to allow Jesus to establish our hearts. And we see in this passage that this establishment takes place in this world, and it has to take place until Jesus comes again. Church, we do not have an option here. We need to be strong and filled with the Spirit until the Lord calls us home or until He comes with the sound of the trumpet. Amen? We need to be ready. We need to be fortified. Today in our world, we see many people who are concerned about their physical health. They spend a lot of time pouring into their bodies. They understand the need to make time every day to go to the gym or or to do exercises. They're disciplined enough to work on their physical health, but they're not disciplined enough to even consider their spiritual health. Here in America, we see people that are losing pounds but gaining worry. And I want you to hear this. A healthy body wrapped around a sick heart won't lead to a blessed life. There are too many sick hearts. 
There are too many people who are not looking at this world in the, in the lens or through the lens of eternity. We need to begin to realize, church, that we have a message for the world today that can give them peace and consolation from the inside out. We want to see people grow healthy in Jesus. And I believe that the health of the soul begins at the foot of the cross. There is no better place for us to get healthy, church, than for us to get at the foot of the cross and look and see that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again three days later. That's the basics, but we must build on those basics and realize that the emotional and spiritual health of each and every one of us is dependent upon Jesus Christ. And as we grow healthy at the foot of the cross, it is then that we will be able to share the message of the cross. The church today, many of us do not have a witness because we've not allowed the Holy Spirit to establish our hearts. We need basic gospel truth filling us into overflowing. The world needs you, brothers and sisters in Christ. And in my travels this summer, that's one thing I have felt more than ever. We are here in, in kind of the Bible Belt here in this part of Missouri. We are insulated from a lot that's going on in the world. The rest of the world, it seems like, wherever I've been, there are just very few believers. Everybody's kind of living their life their own way. But the more I see what's going on in the world, I realize that many of those people are hungry for the gospel message. We've got to bust out of this bubble. We've got to quit worrying about the minor things. And we need to get our hearts in tune with the Spirit. We need to be established in gospel grace, friends, because the world needs us, each and every one of us, on fire for Jesus. We cannot fizzle out, church. I do not want to lose this moment in time to lose the advantages that God has given his church here at Ridgecrest and other churches in this area. We've been given an advantage so that there can be a strong church for generations to come. But if we are not going to be established in Christ in 20 years, in 30 years, again, there will be empty buildings that were once churches in this land. We must establish our hearts so that that does not happen. As I read through the text today, I see three basic diagnostic questions that I think will help us in our journey, will help us to establish our hearts. And the first question is this, will we wait for Jesus? Will we wait for Jesus? If you look closely at our first two verses, seven and eight, that word patient appears twice, or actually the phrase be patient occurs twice. We need to get that into our heads and into our hearts. We need to talk about patience, friends, because again, the world around us is constantly in turmoil. The world as we know it, as we turn on the news, as we talk to our friends, we are constantly every day going to brush up against those who are agitated, either because of what's going on directly in their lives or the things that are happening in the culture at large. If your eyes are open to disaster, there is plenty to see. Amen? Amen. There's plenty to see. And many believers today, when I see them, they're trying to be positive and they're trying to get online and talk about Jesus, but really it's doom and gloom. It's all negative about what's going on in the world and what's going on in the church. If all we can do 
is look around and see chaos, let me tell you what we're not being. We're not being patient. Because patient people are able to see through the chaos and see where Christ is working. And I just want to ask you, church, will you help me do this? Let's be patient enough to not get sidetracked by the circus of the world and keep our eyes always looking for where Jesus is working. And if we will get where Jesus is working, we will do great things. To live for Christ, we need to have a never give up kind of attitude. In fact, I think this is the definition of biblical patience. Let me give it to you right here. We must say, I will never give up my pursuit of Jesus. That is my definition this morning. I want you to get this. My definition of patience is, I will never give up my pursuit of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but when I've thought about that word patience, I've always viewed it in a passive sense, a grin and bear it sense, right? When we think of patience, it's just like, you know, Take, the, take it on your shoulders. Just kind of deal with the pain and the suffering. Be, be patient. Don't, don't act too quickly. But I think James is talking about something different. He's telling us we need to have a stubborn resistance to the impulse of sin. He is telling us that we cannot give up This wonderful pursuit of Jesus. From the moment you were saved, you were called to pursue him. You were not just saved to sit still. You were saved to pursue Jesus the rest of your life in devotion and ministry. And we need to be patient enough to say, God, use my life. Help me find that place where I need to be. And don't let me give up until I see what you've called me to do. Too many believers are sitting on the bench, or worse, are still up in the stands. We need you on the playing field. Gold medals are won by the athletes on the field. And many of you have gifts to be used by God, and they're not being used because you're on the sideline. How long should we wait? Twice in these two verses, we are told, until the coming of the Lord. Listen, there is no vacation. There is no retirement. There is no setting this out. If you are a believer in Jesus, you are called to be on duty every day for him. Rest in the Lord. Make sure that you're refreshing your spirit, but don't ever think that you get a day off from being a believer in Jesus Christ. We need to have this kind of tenacity. One of my favorite songs, one of my favorite modern hymns, In Christ Alone, says this, No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand. And I love that. But till he returns or calls me home, here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Let's let that be our mantra. Psalm 37 that we heard earlier read by Rich, we know that this this particular passage of Scripture here in James echoes Psalm 37. When you look at the language, it's very similar. And again, the psalmist and James have acknowledged that we have problems in this world. Remember the last time I preached to you, those first few verses of chapter 5, talking to the lost world and all the corruption amongst the rich and the powerful? Remember that? When you read Psalm 37, you realize that God's people are walking through a world that is often at odds with them, and yet... We are called to be established in Christ. We have to dig down deep 
roots in Jesus so that we can stand. Listen, if the things going on in the world, every new news item, every new thing you read from a friend on Facebook, if it causes you to get down and and go from side to side emotionally, what that's saying is, is that your roots, your establishment in that moment is not what it ought to be. We have to be able to stand firm, brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to stay and stand firm. Yes, there is wicked out there. But here, the brothers are being addressed by James. And look at verse 7. He's tell us, telling us to wait for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. When a farmer first plants a seed, when a gardener first plants a seed, all they're looking at is dirt, bare earth. It takes a little bit of time and cultivation and watering and fertilization before that first green shoot pops up. If you're wanting to grow in Christ, it is not easy and there will be moments of barrenness, but you have to stick with it. You have to trust that the salvation that Jesus has put in your heart is for real and forever. I want you to think about this. If God has planted a gospel seed in you, it will grow. If you are here today and you would raise your hand, we were talking about testifying earlier, and you would testify that you are a believer in Jesus and saved by grace, let me tell you what that means. That means the seed of the gospel is in you and you will bear fruit. You will bear fruit that remains if you are saved You are going to be used by God, and therefore you need to have your hearts established. God is getting you ready for something good. He wants you to be working hard when he comes again. Listen to what Paul says to the Thessalonians. He says, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father, at the coming of the Lord Jesus with all his saints. 1 Thessalonians 3, 13. Friends, we need to have this never give up attitude. That's what patience is in Christ. Patience that God is up to something good. This last year has been difficult to the extreme. As a church, it's hard to know where we stand, who's with us, who's gone on from us. It's so hard right now. But we have to be patient. We have to trust many of the things that God is doing. We see as leaders of this church, God is doing great things. We need to be patient and trust that he has even better things in store for us. Listen, let's wait on the Lord because he is worth the wait. Let's wait on the Lord for he is worth the wait. What he wants to do is beautiful. And I know this, he is coming back. I don't know when. We've been joking around. I've been preaching through Revelation. Ain't figured it out yet. But several people online have. So if you need the answers, just go to YouTube. I tell you what, people that have never stepped foot in a Bible classroom somehow have figured out when Jesus is coming back. And that's fine. If they're right, they're right. But listen, I think sometimes we're spending a lot of time thinking about something that God told us we would never know the answer to when we do have the answer and we have the gospel seed in us and we're called to share the love and grace of Jesus Christ. I don't need doom and gloom. I've got Jesus. I don't need to worry about the apocalypse because I have Christ. 
Let's get fired up about what Jesus wants to do in this town. Let's stop worrying about the things that are out of our control. I'm telling you, people today, they'll stand in long lines to get the latest iPhone. They'll wait in long lines at Christmas to get some trinket that their kids are going to throw in a closet. And those same people can't wait five minutes for God to move. It's time to get real about our impatience with spiritual things. We need to understand that our focus is misguided. It's time for us to have an urgency about what Jesus is doing. Will you wait on the Lord? Will you trust? Will you say, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to cling to Jesus until he shows me what I'm called to do. It's time for us to get serious. We will pray. We will evangelize. But don't ever think that God's got something small for you. Wait on the Lord because he's got something big for you. Here's why I think many of us are not experiencing the power of God. It's the second question. Will we be patient with one another? We've already talked about patiently waiting on the Lord. And I can get a lot of amens on that. But the problem is, is we're not very patient with each other. COVID has revealed a lot of things, but one of the things it's revealed is just how impatient we are with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I have seen more silly things said and more silly things done over something that none of us have any control over. People are getting upset about, about all the things uh, that have to do with COVID, and they have found ways to just be upset with one another. Let me ask the question again, will we be patient with one another? Notice verse 9. It says it just like this. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Let me say this. If we're going to grumble against our brothers and sisters in Christ, if we're going to be ugly towards our brothers and sisters in Christ, we just need to accept it right now. We will be judged by God. I don't care if you're right. I don't care if your opinion is in, in the right If you are grumbling, you will be judged by God. Now, this passage is is powerful in this way. It's telling us that we need to long for Jesus' return, and it's important for us to take note of what we're doing while we're waiting. Now, I'm going to tell you, once again, I don't like to wait. Those who are with me on the Italy team, they all had to find a sixth gear to keep up with me because I've got places to go. And if you want to go with me on a mission trip, put your walking shoes on because we're going to go fast. All right? Now listen to me. I believe that what God is telling us here, though, is this. That we have to be careful. That as we long for Jesus' return, we cannot get in such a hurry that we forget that we need to do this together. People who long for Jesus' return can't be people who are continually at odds with their brothers and sisters in Christ. It is not okay for you to say, I can't wait for Jesus to get back and I don't agree with any of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm always groaning and moaning. Those two things don't go together. Don't tell me how spirit-filled you are when you can't get along with your brothers and sisters in Christ. When constantly you see the negative in them, let me tell you, most likely what you're missing is the negative in you. Patience here is vertical and it's horizontal. It means that sometimes you've got to put up with me when I make mistakes. You've got to put up with me when sometimes I get a little bit too passionate maybe and and speak out of turn. We have to listen to one another's hearts because sometimes our words are just kind of mangled up. 
Why we have to build relationships with one another is because only when we know one another's hearts will we overlook the mistakes in our lives. You are precious unto God, and so am I. And it's important for us to make sure that we are loving one another well. And the warning is, the judge is standing at the door. God is watching his church. And the church, and when I say this, I'm not just talking about like how we get along here, but it's also how we get along with other churches. It's easy to grumble against other churches that do things different than we do. To say that this is right and that is wrong. Listen, that's not your place. Our place is, is to make this a place that honors Jesus. And we're going to seek God's spirit in doing that. My job is not to judge the church down the street and tell them how to do their business. We respect them. They respect us. And we better start cooperating because the world is coming for us. But listen, he who is within us is greater than he who is in the world. I'm not worried about the world coming for us. I'm worried about the church not standing together under the cross. It's time to get together under the cross. Will we be patient with one another? Look at the word groan. The word is an expression of an internal, unexpressed feeling. In other words, there's something that's really hurting you, but you really can't even put it into words. How is your heart? Are you a model of suffering and patience or Are you trying the patience of others and causing suffering? Listen, I'm here to tell you it's it's natural in the flesh to grumble. There's a lot of families that over the years they would have their family gathering after church and do lunch and sit around a a, a lunch table and have fried preacher for lunch. (laughs) Surely not, right? Most of the time, I think the preachers deserve it. But anyway, that's because I know my tribe, okay? But here's the deal. It's so easy. I mean, it just, it comes naturally. I'm not saying something like I've never experienced it here before. I I grumble as much as anybody, but I'm going to tell you grumbling is self-judgment. It says more about your heart than it says about the other. It's just proof that I'm not waiting on the Lord and waiting with patient expectation. The easiest and most sinful thing to do is to take shots at fellow believers. To complain about how bad the church has become. But the problem with grumbling is you almost never solve any problems. You just cause more. And also, the Lord gave me this image. I'm not a very good shot. I'm a very good marksman. If you want to go shooting with me, uh, it'll be a very encouraging moment for you. (laughs) You'll see how good of a shot you are compared to me. But you know, when the target is just 10 yards away, even I can hit that. It's an easy target. But you put it 100 yards away, and now it's more challenging. The reason why we tend to grumble is because those are the easiest targets. We grumble at those around us because they're the closest to us. Don't don't let the devil do that to your heart. It is not okay Now, why am I mentioning this? Have I gotten away from the text? Not at all. Look at the text. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And now, why does he mention that? Well, because it wasn't a popular, it wasn't a good thing to be a prophet if you were trying to be popular. Because prophets got themselves in trouble. They spoke the word of the Lord, and the people often grumbled against them. Look at Moses. Look at Isaiah. Look at Jeremiah. People didn't want to hear it. Amos, my goodness. People didn't want to hear their message. 
It's so easy to grumble at those who are closest to us. But this is not the purpose of God. And let me say again, you will not be able to establish your heart in grace if you are groaning and moaning all the time. Friends, until we all get a hold of the purpose of the Lord for our lives, we will cling to our own purposes and we will be at odds with one another. If I have my purpose and you have your purpose, we will not have God's purpose. We have to have God's purpose uniting us, and He will. Look at Job. Job wasn't immune from complaining, but he persevered to the end. So here's the good news. It's not that if you've been grumbling that that means you're lost. It just means you're human. And what God is telling us is, even in our complaints, we can grow now if we see what they are, and we begin to ask for grace, not only more grace from God, but grace toward one another. To establish our hearts, we need to be patient and wait on the Lord. To establish our hearts, we need to be patient with one another. And what we need to make sure we're doing is in that moment when we are tempted to say something that would be hurtful to a brother or sister in Christ, we say no to the devil and we say yes to the Lord and we ask the Lord to show us how to be encouragers. We need each other. Difficult experience in this world can make our witness grow more bright. And if we're going through troubles, if you're going through troubles, if you're emotionally right now on a roller coaster, listen, we want to be here for you. We want to love you. We want to make sure that you are experiencing God. Because as Job did, we want you to see the purpose of the Lord. Notice what it says in verse 11. How the Lord is compassionate and merciful. The judge standing at the door loves you and is merciful. The one who could judge you for all the sins in your heart. He loves you and is compassionate. So notice our text in verses 7 and 8 has been asking the question, when is the Lord coming again? Here, let me just say this to you. The question is not, when will Jesus return? The real question this morning is, will I be ready when he returns? And I want to ask you that right now. Will you be ready? If you are in grumbling mode, you will not be ready. You need to be in grace mode. One more thing. Verse 12, an unusual way to end this, this passage. It could almost stand by itself. But the third question is this. Will we be a people of the word and of our word? Pastor Rich earlier encouraged us to share some of our, our scriptures. And that's a good thing. But it's important for us to not only know the word, but to obey the word. And you'll notice here, James quotes Jesus where he says, Let your yes be yes and your no be no. We need men and women of integrity. We can't say we are a people of the word and be known as a people who do not keep their word. We must be men and women of integrity or else we will lose our witness. We must have honest hearts sharing an honest gospel with a hurting world. One pastor put it this way, it is, if it is your custom to sin, remember that it is God's custom to destroy sinners. How's that for happy-go-lucky language right there? <laughs> Listen, when, when we come right down to it, we've got to get serious about being men and women of integrity. The church today needs to make sure that its witness is bright and beautiful. And so I want you to think about this with me this morning. How's your heart? Is it established in Jesus? How's your heart? Do you wait patiently on the Lord? Are you a person anticipating the good things of God? in your life. Secondly, 
How are you working with your brothers and sisters in Christ? What's the fellowship like in your life? And third, if you want to have an established heart, put the word in your heart and be a man or woman of integrity. This morning, as God is moving in your heart, let him move. Let him build you up and establish you and make you strong. Because, church, this world is in chaos. And the cross is the answer. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us, or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.